Hello and welcome to our second episode of Cypher Vision, Storytelling with Data. I'm Nigel Schweitzer, joined by my co-host Francesca Lavoie, and we'll be discussing why you should tell stories about patent portfolios and how data brings them to life. Francesca, welcome again. Hi, Nigel. I'm delighted to be back for episode two and really looking forward to having a discussion around how can you develop those really compelling stories. And we're joined today by two guests, Jared Angstrom and Daryl Bradley. Welcome, separated by a common language, English, and united by another even more important language, data. Jared, welcome. Thanks. I mean, English, we do speak the same language, perhaps A few words are a little bit different here and there, but delighted to be here. I'm Jared Ingstrom. I'm the head of IP strategy at CrowdStrike. And prior to CrowdStrike, I worked at Red Hat for nine years and managed the patent portfolio and delighted to be here. Red Hat and CrowdStrike, very similar? I would say there are some similarities. I mean, both are software companies. There's a definite culture that is similar in a lot of tech companies and the way both companies sort of approach intellectual property has some similarities. So I think there's some similarities, but I just started at CrowdStrike and CrowdStrike has a different energy and it's going to be exciting. It's going to be different. So we'll we'll see what happens. You caught me by surprise with that answer, Jared. I was expecting you to go and say something very different with Red Hat, with its slightly mature portfolio, thousands of assets, CrowdStrike at a very different part of its journey. Well, that is true. I will say, though, that when I joined Red Hat, Red Hat had about 200 issued patents, and we've grown that to over 3,000 issued patents over the last nine years. But my new boss at CrowdStrike actually told me that that was part of the reason I was a good fit at CrowdStrike was because CrowdStrike is today about in the same place where Red Hat was when I joined Red Hat. And so it's almost like repeating the journey that I've already done. And apparently I did it well enough before that they have some faith in me at CrowdStrike. So we'll see what happens. Very cool. Daryl, welcome this time in the UK. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Nigel. So yeah, I'm Daryl Bradley. I'm head of patent prosecution at the semiconductor technology company Arm. And I manage ARM's in-house prosecution team, as well as our global patent portfolio, which is around about 8,000 patents and applications nowadays. So I started off my uh, working career actually as an engineer and an inventor, um, named on quite a number of applications at my time as an engineer at ARM. And then I moved to retrain in the patent profession as well, having got fascinated and addicted by um, uh, patents, the data that it tells and the stories that it tells around what a company does. And I'm guessing because ARM has a few billion dollars of revenue strongly linked to technology that your organization pretty much gets patents? We do, but it's taken a long time to get to that point. Just like any company, there's information that needs to be taught. The business has its own focus and interest. Patents is a complicated subject to learn about as well. We have to go through the same as any other company and demonstrate the value of the patents to our business, even being an IP business. Well, that's great. Delighted you could both join us. Francesco, a nice pair to go and get us started. Definitely a nice pair. So I'm looking forward to this. What I'd like to ask you both, why do we tell stories? I think we all love a good story. 
Daryl, you very kindly gave us the title of this podcast, Storytelling with Data. I think it was when we were interviewing you for our benchmarking patent portfolios report. In that report, we found that over half of the companies actually struggle to get hold of, of data. So that could maybe provide a few challenges when you're trying to tell a compelling story. But let's start at the beginning, as in any good story. So, Daryl, why do you tell stories? Well, one of the things for me, Francesca, has been that one of the challenges we've had and learned you know, along the path of developing all our, our stories around patents is businesses have their own internal languages, processes, acronyms, business areas, ways of dealing with information. Yeah, patents were the same, but we have a different language, different jargon, ways of describing patents and data. And you know, the two quite often don't mix very well. So one of the things that we've learned and explored over time is that you have to wrap all this up into a, a story, bring people along with that story, explain to the business in their own language what the value is in patents and what it can bring to the business. Thanks, Daryl. I guess when we are talking about a complex topic of patents, storytelling can give us a way forward. And Jared, I'm just wondering, we remember stories. When people tell us stories, we remember them and we can relate to them. What's been your experience in terms of good storytelling that's meant that the business is actually related to stories that you've told? So I'm reminded of a time at Red Hat when we were sort of shifting our strategic direction around our patent portfolio. And I feel a little almost embarrassed about the analogy that we use now, but it was effective at the time, which was thinking of patents as almost like nuclear weapons and how you sort of think about the military landscape of the world. And we did a presentation at one point, we were trying to convey the message about it's not just good enough to have a bunch of patents. There's more to it than that. And so we created this animation that showed these bombs being launched off into the distance and there was a target. And one example was the bomb gets launched and it misses the target. Well, if it misses the target, then that's not very useful. So we were trying to convey this idea that our patents have to be relevant to the targets that we have or the threats that we have. And then the next example that we used was launching the bomb. It hits the target, but the bomb doesn't explode, which is to suggest that it's a dud or that the patent itself was not as effective as we would hope it would be. And I think that animated storytelling type approach was really effective. And of course, I've got it sort of locked in my brain and I can't forget that visual. And I think the people that we were communicating with got that as well. And that kind of helped people understand what we were trying to do with our patent program. Very similar thing for ARM, to be honest, as well. If we look back on it now, it's, it used to be a lot of discussions around numbers. Is it all a numbers game? Very, very different nowadays as well. It's working out and trying to understand if you have those patents in the right places, bringing you the most value. Things have moved on a lot from being a numbers game nowadays. When I'm thinking of some of the stories and meetings I've joined you in, Daryl, about Goldilocks. I don't know if you're willing to go and share why storytelling in ARM has anything to do with that particular story. No, it's an interesting point, Nigel. I mean, one of the challenges we've had and learned as we've been through this exercise and grown and understood where we should have our patterns is it's easy to turn things in from one data problem to another. Generating too much data is just cause creating us another problem. If we don't show enough data to the business, they question and query about 
why we've come to this conclusion. So you always have to find the right balance in the information and the content you're sharing to make sure you're conveying the right story and message to the business so they ultimately buy into what you're trying to share. I like the analogy of nuclear warheads, and I'm I'm wondering whether I should have done that when I was at Procter & Gamble. I remember trying to build a proposal for a new product variant, and I'd done loads of market research. I had loads of market data. I had all this data on competition, but I was only allowed to put my proposal on one side of A4, and font size had to be bigger than size 11. So I really had to be very picky about what data I shared, what evidence I was going to produce, and what the themes or the salient rationale that I was going to put forward to make them say yes. I wish I had that animation now for the nuclear piece. But Jared, I guess, how do we get it down to one size of A4 and get it to really focus on the points that we want to? Well, I think there are a few different keys when you're telling stories with data. One is to really understand the context understand your audience, who you're communicating with, and what message you're trying to convey. I think it's important to use effective visuals if you're telling stories with data, making sure that you've got the right graphic and you're conveying the data in a way that's most effective. Obviously, you want to stay focused and stay on point. You don't want to have too many messages all at once, especially in a business context. You're really trying to hopefully go in there and tell a single story and get buy-in from from the business folks for that one thing. And if you're trying to tell 10 stories at once, you may walk away with nothing to show for it. Whereas if you kind of focus on one story, you have one objective, then you're more likely to to come out of a meeting with the results that you want. And then other than that, you want to make sure that you stay focused on that point and really try to bring that story to life so that people get engaged with it and they can have some buy-in with it. So that's kind of how I would think about it and approach it. We're dwelling on that one, Jared, in as much as we think of ourselves as storytellers as if that's some kind of innate skill that we must learn. Whereas the way I just listened to you talking about it there, it was one of empathy to really focus on, on who the audience is, that what you say, how you say it might be very different to a CFO or a general counsel. I mean, the CEO might not like the the warfare example. It might just not resonate about how he wants to be perceived. Is that your experience? Is it very different talking to very different audiences? Well, it's funny. I mean, I don't mean to get all existential on everyone, but I think this is just a lesson of life, right? I think that point of empathy and trying to understand other people and where they're coming from is going to help you with all your communication. And of course, that's especially true in a business context where you've got most likely business executives and leaders who have very limited time, they have limited focus, and you really need to kind of put yourself in those people's shoes and understand where they're coming from before you start to try to convey your message. Because like you said, if you're using a bad analogy or you don't understand where they're coming from, you're more likely to miss the mark and not get the business result that you're hoping to achieve. Daryl, just to ask you as well, we have called this podcast Storytelling and it is with data. Where do you feel data plays a part in terms of some of the communication that you're delivering to your senior management and maybe specifically who you use different bits of data with? Of course. So 
I think the one of the important thing to bear in mind with the data is you probably need different data for different people, different parts of the business. You know, building on what Jared just said a few seconds ago on that, if we look at our leadership, CFO, finance, you know, we're driven by budget. We're asking for more money. We want to file more patents. We need to justify why we may want more money or maybe we want to shift and allocate it to different places. If we go and look at our inventors, our engineering teams, the question and the data we're trying to show them is very, very different, as in why do we need X number of inventions in this particular technology area? Why do we need fewer in area X, more in area Y? We need to be able to show them the right data that will allow them to buy in to the objectives we're trying to achieve from all our work and, and patent filings and patent strategy. Once you get the data sorted and you know your audience, you know who you're speaking to, how successful do you think you can be once you get that storytelling right? How successful can you be bringing the patent world right into the centre of the business world? I think for us, what we've seen is the questions the business ask are very different. The questions change from trying to question and challenge the findings and conclusions you've come up with to a very different line of discussion around how can we support, how can we help, how can we achieve the goals that we need to to support our business and patent strategy. And that's the big change we've seen by having all this data to support those sort of conversations and discussions. Sometimes when you do this, you don't get it right. I mean, we've had challenges where we've shown information, we've been challenged, people question it, We've gone back to the drawing board and reviewed how we should present this information to people. It's one of those scenarios where more sometimes people don't know what they want to see until they've seen the wrong thing. And that's okay. It's okay to not have your story perfect for the first iteration. Gather that feedback from the business, understand what they need, understand where you have gaps in your information, go back, review it, analyze your data again and come back to them. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, and I would also add to that Obviously, I think all of us care about truthfulness and integrity, but I think it's really important to be truthful with the data that you're using and how you're conveying it. I know there's an example recently when I was at Red Hat, we were looking at our law firms that were helping us with our patent prosecution. We have an internal metric that we used to sort of rate the quality of the work that they were doing. But we put it together in a graphic to kind of show the different firms and how they compared. And when we initially did it, the auto settings for the horizontal axis kind of set it in a particular way such that it made one firm look like they were leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. And we could have left the data that way and it would have told one story, but it wasn't really truthful because when you kind of spread the access out and kind of put it all in context, what it really showed was that all of our firms were actually doing quite well. And there was one firm in the grand scheme of things that was maybe a little bit further ahead than the others. But I think you really have to step back and make sure that the way you're presenting the data and the way you're telling the story is truthful in the most objective way that you can determine that. And there's some great books out there about data visualization, right down to colors and columns and exactly how you format it. I think 
data is excellent. Clearly, at Cypher, we would believe that excellent data is better than the alternative, but the visualization is so important. You can get it so wrong. You can tell a completely different story. So I'm definitely not of the school of thought that says there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. But I do think you have to be really thoughtful, to your point, Jared, about how you present it. That gives you some flexibility, which means sometimes your data can be presented in a way that better reflects your story, but you can get it badly wrong, I think. And Daryl makes a great point about putting yourself out there and, and trying things. And sometimes you try it and it doesn't resonate the way you want and you get feedback. And having that sort of open mind to being open to feedback and then going back to the drawing board, I think is a fantastic point because especially as, as you're working with a group of people over time, you may miss the mark the first couple of times, but once you kind of develop the rapport you need and understand the people you're presenting to, then you get better at it over time. And eventually, you know exactly what they want before they even ask it. And it's already there in the presentation and everybody's happy about it. Indeed, it's okay to get it wrong a few times, but not too many times. (laughs) Jared, I was just going to follow up with something that you mentioned, thinking about some of our listeners who might be managing quite small patent portfolios and maybe might think, right, this really isn't for me. Given the experience that you were mentioning at Red Hat, where you grew the portfolio to quite a large size, do you think you tell different stories at different stages of the portfolio lifecycle? Well, certainly the strategy that you have around building your patent portfolio is going to be a little bit different when you have a small portfolio versus when your portfolio gets larger. I wouldn't even say the strategy is so much different. I mean, hopefully, if your business is consistent, the strategy remains the same, but the sort of tactical steps you're taking at any given time are going to change based on the size of it. To me, I think it is less about where you're at in the journey and more about the audience going back to you know what Nigel was saying earlier i mean the the people you're talking to really matter more than where you're at in the journey and you've really got to tell the story that those people are going to resonate with and less focus on where you're at that makes a lot of sense daryl you're nodding your head would you agree with that statement Absolutely. I mean, I think it's the same sort of challenge, even within a big business, you have areas of technology, business units, which are very mature, you have a well defined IP strategy for those areas of the business, and then you have new early stage technology where you have to go back sometimes to the beginning and question, is it the same strategy for that area of the business? Is it slightly different? And you still have those similar challenges even with startups within larger businesses as well, where you always have to go back, question, is it the same approach for all these different areas as well. Great. I think we can all remember really good stories from our childhood, you know, even as far back as probably when we had our first memory. So how important is it to make a story memorable? I think it's really important. And the example that I think of is sometimes you're going to the business with an ask and you need to ask for more money or you need to ask for support on a particular project. And if you have a good story, then that story can be shared with other people in the business and the stakeholders that you need the authorization from can convey that to their peers. And it just makes the whole process easier. It's sort of like arming them with the information they need to help you sell 
the thing that you're trying to accomplish. And if you don't have a good story, people get lost in the weeds and then they're not able to effectively reconvey that information and you're less likely to get the outcome that you're looking for. It sounds like you almost need to help somebody develop the elevator pitch that they're going to give to somebody else. That's exactly the point. Yep. You need a good elevator pitch. And that is almost always best accomplished by telling good stories. Daryl, would you agree with that? Or maybe it's the lift pitch rather than the elevator pitch. (laughs) Absolutely. Same challenge for us here. You've got to be able to be very succinct, very clear, have all the backup information you need to be able to convey that message so people buy into it as well. You don't want to change it from one data problem into another data problem and people be swamped in information and never be able to pass that message on. That's a fantastic discussion. We always like to end these CypherVision episodes with a kind of short statement that helps our listeners take away something short, sweet, the elevator pitch, the lift pitch. What's your CypherVision, Daryl? Thanks, Nigel. For me, it's once you've got confidence in your data, you can tell the right story. Jared, what's your CypherVision? My cipher vision is really about that point you made, Nigel, about having empathy for your audience and using that to guide the way you're telling stories with data. I think that's the most important point. That's a great conversation. We talk about stories and it's just so important. The pattern subject matter is so complex, so opaque and not well understood by people in the business that we all have a role to play in communication tell the good stories and find the right data to help communicate that. Then we can all become confident storytellers. Thanks for joining in to this episode of the CypherVision podcast. Please continue the conversation on social using hashtag CypherVision and share your thoughts about today's episodes on storytelling with data. Our next episode will be about calculating return on investment of patents.